put this will in me. If you don't want to win, don't play on my team. I mean, I like to win. Okay, thank you. I got one witness, you know. But that's the great thing about living for God. Those that endure to the end, they win. That's why I love living for God. If I just endure to the end, I'm a winner the whole time. And so each of you are a winner too if you endure to the end. (laughs) But I remember we were going into our final games of the season and we were playing a scrimmage game against each other. I was on a fast break, and that didn't happen very often, me on a fast break. I was usually on a slow break, and I looked behind me, and I didn't see anyone, and I went up to dunk the ball, at least in my dreams. And, but really, it was just a layup, and I laid that ball up, but whenever I got in the air, I felt someone grab my shoulders and yank me down, forcefully pulling me to the ground. I fell in an awkward way right on my left knee. The force of the impact, it kind of, not to be gross in here this morning, kind of just popped my my knee open and and had a deep cut all the way to my kneecap. And I was wearing pants uh, playing that game, and I was getting ready to get back up and go shoot my free throws, and the coach came running out and saw the impact and said, no, you need to lay down. They pulled my pant leg up, and I said something like this. It's bad. (laughs) Dad came running out. He was the hero who carried him. And the coach carried me all the way to the car. And on the way, Dad said, you're going to have to go to the hospital and get some stitches and get that knee checked out. But I remember vividly, I said, no. I said, take me to mom. (laughs) Take me to mama because she's the only one that knows if I need stitches or not. She's the nurse of the family, not you. You don't know anything about this. <laughs> He's forgiven me since then, but <laughs> take me to mom. I'm not going to that hospital. So he took me to mama. Mom said, you got to get stitches. <laughs> but see, there's something about a mom. That makes everything better. There's something about the loving compassion of a mother that makes a difference. If dad says it, if dad says something needs to be done, maybe. But when mom says it, then it's gospel. (laughs) I'm thankful for real mothers in this church and in this world today. You know mothers who say things like this. Keep making that face and it's going to freeze that way. (laughs) If you fall out of that tree and break both of your legs... Don't come running to me. (laughs) Yeah, a real mama. The world needs more real moms who are not afraid to tell it like it is. Kiss away the hurts. Discourage, encourage the discouraged little ones. We need moms more today than ever before. The scripture we read today talks about a real life mom that was a superhero of a mom. I mean, she had to be with how the story unfolds. A brief synopsis of this story, it starts like this. The scripture says that she was a great woman. She was most likely a very wealthy woman. She was there for Elisha when he came through her area. She fed him, put him up at her house, making sure that the man of God had what he needed. She went so far as to construct an apartment for Elisha, the man of God, with considerable expense to herself. See, by you blessing God and blessing His people, God will bless you because of the alignment you have with the people of God. And you want to be blessed of God. If you want to be blessed of God, then start blessing the church and the people that God has laid in your path. And I guarantee God will bless you for that. We have heard so many times how we cannot outgive God, and that's true. But on the other hand, God can't bless a closed or a clenched fist. The first principle for blessing is giving. It says, give and you shall receive. Amen? If she would have not given, I don't believe she would have ever seen the promise. This is what the scripture says. 
she made a little chamber. Had a bed, a table, a stool, and a candlestick. It so happened that one day the man of God, Elisha, came by and took a nap in that nicely furnished room. He asked his helper, Gehazi, to call for that woman, and she stood before him. Elisha, Elisha said, can I speak to the king or the general on your behalf? The lady, the mother, said, basically said, we don't need anything. We don't need you to speak to the king or general on my behalf. It showed her true motives. It was not about what she was going to get, but about what she thought the right thing was to do. She didn't give to get, but she gave for the right reasons. I believe that she wanted children. But somewhere along the line, she accepted her childlessness. All her married life, she struggled with childlessness. For many years, I, I believe she prayed and hoped for a child. Five, ten years, fifteen, twenty, passed without a child. Finally, the last drops of her hope evaporated. She accepted her circumstance. She would never be a mother. She was content with what God had given her. But then something really interesting happens here in this scripture. Elisha turns from the one he's asking and saying, what do you need? And he turns to his servant, to his helper, Gehazi. And he said, what does she need? I think that's really strange to me. How would Gehazi know what she really needed? I mean, they only came through there every once in a while and got fed. But for some reason, Elisha turns to him and says, What does she need? Well, I looked what Gehazi name meant. And his name means this. Man of vision. I thought that was really interesting whenever I was putting this message together. Side note here. Sometimes God puts puts people in our path to do one thing for us, and that is to help us with our vision. God brings that person along not to be able to show us how the vision is going to be accomplished or how it's going to be constructed. The only reason God has brought that certain person along is to tell you the vision that you know you have inside of your heart. Gehazi, the man of vision. This lady might have been doing these things for all the right reasons, but it took someone else with a vision that said, yes, this is good, but this is where you're going and what you need in your life. You say, well, well do you have anything else for that? Well, when Samson, the strong man of the Bible's vision, was gone literally because his eyes had been put out, he needed the help of a lad. He was in the right place, the Bible says, at the right time. But he needed guidance to get to the right spot for God to do the miracle through him. And so he knew, I'm in the right place. I'm in the right time. But he called the person that had the vision and says, little lad, will you put me directly between those pillars so that we can see the miracle happen in our life? Sometimes God brings someone your way to bring your hands to just the right spot. You know you're in the right church. You know you're at the right place. But it takes someone else to come along and say, here, put one hand here and one hand here. And when you do, the miracle will come to your midst. Sometimes pride gets in our life and we think that we can do it all by ourselves. We know what we are doing. Everyone else is wrong. And when the pastor comes and tells you, you better look out, you better turn this way instead of going that way, we need people in our life to help bring clarity to the vision that God has for us. So Gehazi told him about her not having a child. Even more than that now, her husband is old. So they called her back and said, You are going to have a son in due season. What does that mean? Nine, ten months, I'm going to have a kid? Uh, um, Mr. Elisha, sir, can you explain what due season means in your book? <laughs> I might know what it means in my book, but... The Bible doesn't say how long it took for her to 
have that child. It was in due season. Sometimes we go through this life and the Lord comes to you and says, I am going to bring a miracle to your family in due season. And we say, Lord, when is it going to be? Is it going to be this month, next month? We are people that like to have a time frame involved, amen? We like to know church is at 9.30 and 11.30 and it's not going to start late. It's not going to start. We are people that have a time to keep. But God doesn't work that way. God comes to you and says, in due season, you're going to have a child. I'm here to tell somebody here this morning, you've been in a due season in a long time in your life. And you've been saying, God, where are you at? You've been saying there's going to be a miracle that happens in my life. You are saying that there's going to be a new birth in my life. But you have not, you have, I have not seen that yet, God. What I'm trying to tell you this morning is God is telling you the vision is true and correct. And it's still in due season. You might not understand when the season is due. But I understand. And when you get to that place, you'll understand in due season. In due season. There, in due season, she had a son. The son that Elisha said that she would have. But what she didn't know was that what struggle she would have when that son got a little older. Finally, this woman was a mother. Her desire to have a child was fulfilled. He was growing up to be a strong young man. Someone that probably was a hard worker. He probably was even learning the trade of his father. They were proud of who this young man was becoming. And what he was turning out to be, and you know moms are the most proud of their kids, right? Even when their kids are doing what's wrong, mama's still proud. They're proud. But soon, the promise was going to die. I know I'm setting this up. Stay with me just for a couple more minutes here. What happens in our lives when... We think everything is going just right. God has given us what we need. And all of a sudden something happens. Someone comes and gives us bad news that destroys everything that God has given. Have you been there? Are you there right now? How many has been there in 2020? It seems like things change every single day. It took no more than a moment for the brightest day in that mother's life to become suddenly Clouded with disaster. The young man that left home that morning was full of life. But when he came back home, he was nearly cold and lifeless. The young man who went to his father in the fields, wherever they were working that day, he said, my head, oh my head. I don't know if it was a heat stroke or a sudden aneurysm that afflicted his body. Whatever it was, it came on quick and it incapacitated him even quicker. Then the word came from the boy's father not to run to the doctor. He didn't say go look for the nearest hospital. But he looked at one of his workers and says again, a lad. And he said, Carry him to his mother. Carry him to mama. They brought him to the mother and his life was almost out of him. He was living but hanging by a thread. He sat upon her knees until noon and then he died. Imagine with me as she watched the promise Die in her arms. This. The child of promise. The child of a miracle. Has been taken away. What do you do when the promise. Is taken away. Do you feel that God has failed you. 
or that his word, his promise, didn't come true. It's amazing, though, to see how this mother maintained her faith and knew that all was well in spite of the fact of her child's death. She guarded her lips when her husband said, Is everything all right? She said, It will be well. It might not be well right now, but it will be well. It might not be going good right now, but it will be well. She undoubtedly believed that since the child's birth had been a miracle, that that same God who had given her one miracle could give her two miracles. Oh, she might have heard of the raising of the widow's son that was stated in 1 Kings with that, that Elijah had raised. And she knew that the spirit of Elijah rested on Elisha. And she'd been hearing that even greater things were happening with this man called Elisha. She was ready to believe that he could too restore what sickness had taken, her, uh, taken away. In this faith, she made no preparation for burial of her son, but for his resurrection for she laid him on the bed of the prophet she said I know I made this room for a reason I knew I made this room for a reason I thought the reason was to see that the man of God had a place to lay his head but now I see it as the place of resurrection what I once thought was for a weary traveler is now for a resurrection of a promised son let me tell you, sometimes we just have to lay our problems down. We need to shut the door of that prayer closet that you have and start to try to do something about the problem. Let me tell you here today, instead of always looking at the problem or talking about the problem or carrying it around with you everywhere you go, why don't you go and lay it down in the prayer closet and then do something about it. It's there for a reason. Stop telling everyone about all the problems in your life and how bad you have it. Why don't you put some faith in the situation that God has placed you in and believe that if you take it to the Master, everything is going to be all right. And so she saddled the donkey and she told the servant, Go drive as fast as you can. Don't worry about me unless I say something to you. Ride this thing full blast. The woman immediately traveled to the prophet Elisha. She threw herself at the prophet's feet, held on to him in distress. And finally, she interceded and she said, Didn't I ask you for a son, my Lord? Didn't I tell you not to raise my hope? Is your God an Indian giver? Is your God someone that gives you something and pulls the rug out from under you? There, Elisha sent Gehazi to go raise the child, but the mom didn't move. I will not go unless you go with me. I will stay with you. I know that man is a man of vision, but he is not the prophet that God sent. You're the prophet. He's the one who told what was going to happen, but you're the one who has a direct connection with God that is able to raise my son through God himself. And there they went off back to that young boy, and they took a various steps process of raising the child he sent Gehazi in with his staff there Gehazi tried to raise but he could not they prayed for the child there finally he stretched out on the child as if to communicate some of his own life to the child it says that the child's body became warm from his heat he put his mouth on, the, on that young man's mouth as if to breathe into him the breath of life he put his eyes on that man's eyes as if to restore sight and light he put his hands to that child's hands as if to put strength into him but 
still there was no resurrection. Elisha went down from the room. He walked around the lower house, maybe possibly. He walked around the child's room, praying and interceding. Then he went back up and stretched himself out upon the child again. And there the child sneezed seven times and finally breath came back into that young man. And there Elisha restored the son to his mother a second time. Let me get now to the heart of the message here today. That's a wonderful story. But let me correlate something that is also known as a mother. Let me parallel something to this story. When the day of Pentecost happened in that upper room, it celebrates the birth of the church and the symbolism of a mother. The birth of the church and the symbol of church as our mother. One person famously, famously said, no one can have God as father who does not have the church as mother. The symbolism of the church as mother is used throughout early church writings and the historic symbol of the church as mother has a deep meaning. We receive the gospel through the church just as we receive life through the mother. The preached and taught word are to nourish and to feed us just as mothers nourish infants from their very bodies. Those who are born again are born into, the, into Christ and to the church. See, to love Jesus is to love the church, His bride. I don't believe you can be a Christian and hate the church because the church is the bride of Christ. You see, the church has a symbol of a mother as it births and provides nourishment to all of the people within it. But second, it is a bride eagerly waiting to be reunited with the groom, Jesus Christ. From earthly mother to heavenly bride. You see, the church is like a mother that is caring for her children and wanting the best for them. Giving them the right diet. Giving them the right guidance and counsel so they can be as the scripture says in Ephesians 5 that he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish Oh, isn't that what moms want for their children? They want them to go through life without the blemishes. Maybe the problems that they had to experience. Maybe the difficulties that they had to go through. And they'll tell that kid, don't do that. Don't be there. Why? Because they're trying to keep that kid from some experience in life? No, 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 no. They're trying to keep that kid from hurts in life. And from all the things that they might have went through. So does the church of the living God. God, when we stand up on Sunday mornings and on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights and declare the word of God it's not because we're trying to keep people from something in this world yes we are we're trying to keep you from the pain and the sorrow and the wickedness and the things this world throws at us Throughout church history, when thinkers and teachers and saints looked around for a symbol of the church, something that told us how essential and life giving and glorious and nourishing and vital and indispensable that the church is, they no doubt had to look to moms and motherhood because mama can make the difference. It was almost something that I could hear ring from the lips all the way from 2 Kings 4. Carry him to mama. Take him to mother. I, As I told you earlier in this message, I've experienced myself. Daddy could tell me one thing, but I said take me to mama. Take me to mama. And so too it is with men and women that go through the pain and the hurts of this life. They come to a dead end and they say, I gotta be taken somewhere. I gotta go somewhere for the sin-sick soul. And when they realize that, they find a church that is shining on a hill that's a beacon of hope and life. And they come and they find freedom. And it's midst 
more importantly, this maternal image affirms the vital role of the church. The church is more vital today as it's ever been, as I said, with motherhood. It seems like we're talking more and more about how vital the church is today. And I think there's a reason why. Because there is a spirit of antichrist in this world. There is a spirit of anti-church in this world. When people and states and political leaders say we can't do this in church, we can't do that, or the church is the cause of all that's wrong in the world, or the church is the cause of this or that, that's when we know Second Peter 3 and 3 is being lived out, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. Mockers will come. Also, people will hate us because of the name that is attached to our life the name of Jesus but be of good cheer because we can overcome if we have the name applied to our life the same name that they mock is the same name that saves the same name that they mock is the same name that one day and one day we will be taken away to see the groom I've seen so much on social media and other places saying that what are you you going to do and people have asked me what are you going to do about what they're talking about what they're saying about the church how they're saying you can't sing in church you can't recite scriptures the, the preacher has to, to just talk in a low voice he, he can't get up there and scream and hoop and holler I say this I'm going to keep on singing I'm going to keep on preaching I'm going to keep on reciting I'm going to keep coming through the church doors because that's what this world needs it needs a mama it needs a church to Stand up! I come to tell you today, let the church be the church. Let the church be the church. I tell every politician, I tell every person that is a mocker, continue to do what you need to do. But all I'm saying is the church is still going to be the church. You might try to kick us out. You might try to stomp us down. But we've always found a way to succeed. Because if God is before us, no one. Can you hear the world's cry? Can you see the desperate looking for answers? Oh, I can see it. I see it everywhere. Can you hear the, the desperate cry this afternoon of those looking for answers? Didn't you, don't you remember when you came into this place and you found the love that you were looking for? You found the compassion that you were looking for? You found someone like a mama coming around you even if you didn't have a mama on your own. You found a mama that came around you and put his arms, her arms around you. You found men and women in here that say you can make it. You can do it. I know you're messed up right now, but you're not going to be messed up forever because when the Spirit takes a hold of your life I don't even have to tell you the things to get right because the Holy Ghost would do the job just fine itself you remember the day that you came to an altar on your knees and you cried out to God for forgiveness asking him Lord I'll do anything I'll be I'll go anywhere I'll do anything if you will just if you will just forgive me of my sins I had to be carried to mama that day as I said when I busted my knee I wanted to make sure mama looked at it I wanted to make sure that she gave the okay every time that I do something I go to the Lord in prayer and then I ask men and women that God has put around me pastors and leaders that God has placed in my midst saying is this the right way is this the right time why because I need to surround myself with men and women of this precious gospel so that I might not go astray I need the church I need the church it took four strong men to carry that crippled man to church that day in that home. See, church can happen anywhere. It can happen in a home. It can happen in a parking lot. Where two or three are gathered together in His name, there He is. 
took that man. They knew that Jesus was teaching there that day. And they knew if they could just get him to the church. If they could just get him to the church. think Jesus could have touched him at his own house Jesus didn't even have to be present let me tell the lady who touched the hem of his garment your faith has made you whole you touching you reaching out but there they knew there was something powerful about going to the church It's more than just coming to the church and watching from the outside. I'm not talking about physically here this morning. We live in a different time right now. Some have to listen on FM transmitter and live stream because of health issues and take certain precautions. I'm not speaking ill against that. We need to do that. I'm talking spiritually. Some people come to church and they are spiritually not there. They are on the outside looking in on the inside. You come and you hear the music and the preaching. You might feel the excitement from the crowd. You might hear the rejoicing of the people being saved and delivered. But you have put yourself in a position on the outside looking in. But those men were not there to watch the show from the outside looking in. They were there to get on the inside. And that's exactly what they did. Getting inside of that room physically, mentally, and spiritually. They did whatever it took. To carry him to Jesus. To carry him to Jesus. The second book of John. It's only one chapter long. It only has 13 verses. It teaches many things. There talks about loving one another and warn, <coughs> warns about deceivers that will come. Those that are antichrist talks about not following those who do not bring the true doctrine of the Bible. That is a great word for all of us. We better watch who we are listening to, who we are associating ourselves with. Be careful not to let them be the ones to lead you and guide you, especially someone that does not have the truth. It's okay to glean. I listen to these people myself, but they don't have the whole truth. At the beginning of this chapter, it says this, in verse 1, The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth. And not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. In research of this scripture, uh, scholars differ on, on the belief This describes an individual person or a symbol of the church. Some say it was a lady named Electa or Clement of Alexandria. And it could could be true because we know of Priscilla and Aquila, dear friends of Paul and fellow helpers in Christ, many other ladies that worked in early church and had an impact on many. But others believe that this was a symbol, not of a certain person, but of a group. It was a church, and the saints of the church are the offspring of the church. And what I think brings this into maybe clearer view is the last scripture in 2 John, verse 13. It says, the children of thy elect sister greet thee, amen. I believe what he's talking about here, he's talking about a sister congregation. Or what we would call a daughter work that might have come from this mother church, the elect lady. I believe 
Second John, we're talking about the church, the mother, and to the ones that have been birthed into the church. The elect lady there means chosen of God, chosen in the Lord. You see, God has selected people that He chooses. Churches. As a mother that cares for her children. And a church mother that births sister churches or daughter works. That's who Firstborn Ministries is. We are a church that brings people from all walks of life, from all socioeconomic backgrounds, from all lifestyles, from all mistakes and faults. And when they come here and are born again, things change because of the church. Just as we need mentors and role models in our life, and young mothers need experienced mothers to come alongside of them and help them in this thing called life, and young dads need experienced dads, and so on and so forth. That is what Firstborn Ministries is called to do. We are called to birth new works, walk alongside of them as they begin their walk, continue to grow the family of God. Because everybody comes to a point in their life when they have to be carried to mama. I'm so thankful for our daughter works. One, being in South Beloit. The Spanish work, firstborn ministerios, Espanol. In the last couple weeks, they've baptized five people in swimming pools. They have someone who owns a restaurant that came to their church and was baptized. They have people in Woodstock that they started a Bible study with. They have people in Lake Geneva that they started a Bible study with. You can be thankful for that church because they are a part of us and we are a part of them. Just as mama cherishes, cherishes her child, we cherish those that God has been placed in our path. I close with this. Years ago, a young mother was making her way across the hills of South Wales. She was carrying her tiny baby in her arms when she was overtaken by a blinding blizzard. She never reached her destination, and when the blizzard had subsided, her body was found by searchers beneath a mound of snow. But they discovered that before her death, she had taken off all her outer clothing, wrapped it around her baby, when they unwrapped the child to their surprise and joy they found he was alive and well she had mounted over her baby her body over the baby and given her life for her child proving the depths of mother's love years later that child his name David Lloyd George when he grew to manhood, he became prime minister of Great Britain. And without a doubt, they say one of England's greatest statesmen. Why? Because of the love of a mother. The world is saying the church is dead and gone. The church will never be what it was. But I come to tell you here today that the church might look battered and worn on the outside. But on the inside, you will find out that it's still a place of safety. And just like that Shunammite woman who said, I have a child of promise. 
I have a child that is not a lost cause. So does the church still say that today. We have lost some that were once under the covering of the church wings. Maybe they have not died physically, but they have died a spiritual death. Yes, we have lost some to drugs and some to bitterness and unforgiveness. Lost them by broken relationships lost them to unbelief and worldliness but I still see firstborn ministries as the Pentecostal church in the greater Rockford land area looking toward those that have gone astray in a multitude of sins and saying some might think you're a lost cause but if I can just carry you back to mama it's gonna be okay if I can just carry you back to the church is going to be alright they might look dead you might even have a relative that you thought has died spiritually in your arms but you have not given up on them yet you have set them down in the prayer room you have constructed you have shut the door and it looks like they're dead and gone but you continue pleading and interceding you continue stretching out over them in intercession of prayer and fasting and one day let me prophesy to you that body that spiritual body is going to come back alive again we're getting ready to see a revival of backsliders right here at Firstborn Ministry there are people in this room that are standing in the gap between you the hell that has afflicted their life. And I ask you here today, don't bury the church yet. It's not gone yet. Just like Mama said, don't bury my son. There's still life in the church. I can hear the church that is the symbol of mother say, don't bury my family member yet. I hear some saints of the living God in this congregation here today saying, don't give up on my daughter. Don't give up on my son. Don't give up on my friends. Don't give up on the backslider. Don't give up on the outcast. Don't bury them yet. Don't bury the drug addict yet. Don't bury the alcoholic yet. Don't bury the homosexual yet. Don't bury, don't, don't. Why? Because when you bring them back to the church, something happens. Why? Because he's a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. He's only the light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Can I take it a step further and say, firstborn, you're still the lighthouse to this community. You're still a city that is set on a hill. You're still the beacon of hope. When people come past this church, it's a beacon of hope. 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 Beacon of hope. They find comfort and love and peace and joy. And one day, as it says in Ephesians, He's going to quicken them. Oh yes. Each one of us have experienced that in this room if you've been saved. Ephesians 2. and You have He quickened. It means to revive or make alive. Why? Because you were dead. You were just like that little... No, that, 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 that young man that was in that room, you were dead. But someone didn't give up on you. There's a pastor that didn't stop calling you. There's a minister who didn't stop knocking on your door. 
saying, come on. I'll carry you if I have to. I know you're dead in trespasses and sins. I know you've walked in the course of this world and you've listened to the prince of the power of the air. And I know you've had the spirit that now it worketh in the children of disobedience. But I, I have come and have quickened you and I've made a quick work in you so that you might go to someone That is who you are. Oh, yes. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Waymaker, waymaker. Oh, yes. Oh, don't throw them away. Don't throw them away. Oh, miracle. I'm not going to throw them away. I will pursue. Oh, I know what they've said about the church. I know how they've denigrated and said bad things. But I will pursue. Because that's what mama does. in the darkness my God that is who you are yes way maker miracle worker promise keeper oh even when even when I don't see it you're working I, even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I. Let me say this and I'll put the mic down. Some of you are saying, but I don't see my child, I don't see my friend coming through those doors. I think they're still dead. Well, they might be. But how long did it take for Elisha to raise that young man back up again? Multiple times he went in that room. Multiple times he came out of the room. And when he came out, mama looked at him. And said, is my son still alive? Is my son alive? He said, not yet. Not yet. Let me go one more time. He went again. Oh, he's alive this time. Not yet. There's, there's some color back in him. He feels warm now. There's some, there's some hope. But he's not all the way back in your arms yet. That last time and those sneezes that I believe that that mother heard seven times, she knew that that boy was back. Your son, daughter, friend, whoever it might be, they might not be back in this church yet, but you keep praying for them. And I believe the color will start coming back into them. You might start feeling some warmth again. Maybe I will come to church on Easter. Maybe I will come to church on Christmas. When that young man or young woman said, I'll never come again. They're starting to show signs one more time that they're coming back to life. Let me tell you, don't stop. Don't stop believing. Don't stop praying. Keep them there because they'll come back once again. Because he's a way maker. Yes. Way maker. Sing it one more time. Way maker. My God. 
That is who you are. One more time, even when I can't see it. Even when I don't see it. He's working. You might not see the sign yet. But he's working on your behalf. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop. You never stop. Waymaker. Waymaker. We thank you, Lord, for what we feel in this room. I thank you for bringing life back to every backslider. Pray your conviction would go to them right now strong. Let them feel your convicting power once again. But also let them feel the warmth of your spirit they long for. We praise you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Thank you for being here. God bless you so much. We appreciate you. Love you all. We hope you have a great rest of your day. If you'd like to be baptized in Jesus' name here today, the water is ready. If you want your sins to be washed away, come and see me. I'll baptize you right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. If you need the Holy Ghost, I believe God can give you the Holy Ghost right here, right now. God bless you. You are dismissed.